0: The next Bible reading is from 3 John, so if you want to follow along in your pew Bibles, you can find it on page 1283. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that you all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness, to the truth, and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans, We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church that Diotrephes, who who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by their name.
1: Thank you, Penny. Well, friends, um, uh, grab an outline if you don't have one. That's, um, that will help you follow through. Keep your Bibles open to free, gen- uh, John. This is the last in our series. Um, I'll pretty much work through those, uh, all those verses. And, and what I would like to ask you to do now, perhaps turn around and welcome each other, and I want you to ask each other a question, and that is, what's your favourite movie? And you'll hear why I'll ask you to ask that in a moment, okay? So, what's your favourite movie? Grab an outline, and I'll call you back in a moment. Uh, let me introduce myself. My name's John. I'm one of the ministers, pastors of this church. A joy to see you all here. Please hang around for coffee house afterwards. Uh, I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then uh, we'll look at this passage. So, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are God who speaks to us still through your written word. And so we pray, Lord, tonight as we hear of your word, uh, you might help us to listen with our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, you've asked the question, what is your favourite movie? Um, Anyone like to share what their favourite movie is? Anyone have a favourite movie? John? Galaxy. One a year, okay. Easy to pick from if you only watch one a year. Anyone else? Russell. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark, okay. So that's Indiana Jones, right? Okay. Anyone else? The Rock. The Rock. The Rock rock with, um, with a bomb, okay. Well, some of you may know this about me. I'm a bit of a movie buff. I love watching movies. I love watching all sorts of movies. Actually, I just love watching the good movies, not the bad ones. Uh, But uh, movies, uh, it has been something I enjoy. It's my way of relaxing, my way of switching off. But there have been movies that have uh, caused me to fall asleep. Uh, And some of these movies are these Pride and Prejudice. dead boring. I can't believe it. Uh, Another movie I I fell asleep in, Cloud Atlas, Tom Hanks, boring like nothing. Uh, Another one, The Great Gatsby, that was silly. Anyway, that's me. I'm sure you'll have different tastes to me, bad taste, good taste, you decide. Now, some people like movies where they feel that there is some... Escape, some escape from this world. Two hours, I'm in a different world, in a different reality. You know, movies like uh, Star Wars or Star Trek, same thing. I can't tell the difference. (laughs) Some people like movies where there is suspense, where there's magic, where there's a snowman. I'm sure you all have watched this. Esther, every night going to sleep, she listens to the soundtrack over and over again. It's driving me mad. I'm not liking this anymore. (laughs) Some people like movies that are predictable. Uh, You you know what's going to happen. There's no suspense at all. At every turn in a movie, you can predict what what's going to happen. Movies like Titanic. (laughs) You see, the romance in this movie is predictable. You you know it's going to happen. It's silly. And the boat sinks. It's predictable. The only thing is, the boat bit is true. The other bit, romance bit, that's all made up. Some people like movies where they, like, uh, where, where they can cry. Movies like this. You know, they prepare themselves by taking a box of tissues uh, to go watch a movie so that they can cry. Uh, anyone seen this movie? The, the, this is what I've been told anyway. This is a crying movie, The Fault in Our Stars. Of course, you know, when your eyes have been dry for a while, some crying, wetting of the eyes might be good for the eyes. But I don't actually understand. Maybe I do understand. No, I don't understand why people would do that. Watch a movie to cry. But anyway, one of the all-time greatest movies that that you should agree with me with this, I'm hoping, one of my favourite all-time movies is The Fellowship of the Ring in The Lord of the Rings. Now, if you don't like that, something's wrong. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, this movie has everything. It's got suspense, it's got romance, it's got fighting, there's action, there's horror, there's twists and turns. It's an amazing movie. And what I really like about this, this first one, the, the Fellowship of the Ring, is that there is this fellowship that, made up of this strange group of people. You know, in this fellowship, fellowship of the Ring, you've got some hobbits, You've got a wizard, you've got an elf, you've got a dwarf, you've got a man, you've got a king. A strange makeup of these people who are trying to do good, to, to defeat evil with good over Middle Earth. And in this fellowship, why I like it is because though they're so different and unique, they love each other, they care for each other, this fellowship, there's loyalty, there's camaraderie, and it's just bizarre that they are so unique, And different, but yet they would serve the same purpose the fellowship of the ring. And so, in one sense, why I like that is is because it made me reflect on what it's like to be a Christian. You see, being a Christian, being part of the Christian community of the church, is a bit like being part of some fellowship. Of course, not fellowship of the ring, but the fellowship of the truth. Because we are people who are on about the truth. You see, Christians of every generation are always on about the truth. What is the truth? And we claim to know what the truth is. You see, Christians who are on about this truth in this fellowship, we believe that Jesus is both Lord and Saviour. That is the truth that brings us together. That is the truth which we believe. And that is the truth that gives us life. That it is, He is both Lord, That is, is, he's our king, he's our master, he's our creator, but he's also our saviour, the king who came down into this world, laid his life down for us on the cross. Lord and saviour, that is the truth that draws Christians together, that is the truth that we're on about, and in a sense that's the fellowship of the truth. We are on about Jesus Christ. And so in this letter... This final letter of John, the third John, the shortest letter in fact, uh, John writes to encourage this man by the name of Gaius in the truth. And so he's writing to him to contend for the truth, to remain in fellowship with the truth as he is walking in the truth. So this is what we'll see. So I want you to open up your Bibles. We're going to work through all 14 verses. And so firstly, in this opening greeting... Just look at how John addresses his beloved friend Gaius. Now Gaius was perhaps a church leader uh, in a home church. Back then they didn't have church buildings like that. A lot of churches started up in the home with small Bible study groups and and they were churches. And so Gaius was perhaps one of these church leaders. And so John writes in verse 1, have a look, he says, the elder, that is he's referring to himself as the elder, he's a, He's a leader of a church himself. He's a Bible teacher. And so he writes to my dear friend. Now the word he is in fact, beloved. That is the literal translation. So he's writing to my beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. You see, John's on about the truth. Even in his greeting, he's talking about the truth. But what does it mean to love someone in the truth? You know, when you read that, does it sound strange? What does it actually mean? Does it suggest that I can love someone not in the truth? That I can love someone in in falsehood, in lies? Yvonne, I love you, but not in the truth, in lies? Is that what he's suggesting? That there is some other kind of love? Well, no, you see. What John is trying to express is that the love that he is loving, his dear friend, is a love that is brought about by the truth. A love in which Jesus has brought about. He said he himself, has experienced the love of the Lord Jesus as Jesus died for him, laid down his life on the cross for his sake and so it is this love that is expressing towards this dear friend of his. He's loving his fellow brother in the same way. Loving, a man loving another man. is strange, isn't it? Anyone find that strange? In our culture it might be strange but at my previous church, some of you may have heard of this story before. My previous church, we had uh, two male ministers and two manly ministers. They were blokey ministers, one of, one of which, he was a giant, he was a big man. So if I was to take on him, I would lose. That's how big he is. You probably think he's <laughs> a anyway. But two manly men as ministers. But yet both of them, even though they were so blokey, they showed this, this deep, sincere, affectionate love towards the church. And one thing both ministers would always do is as they send emails, as they write emails, they would sign, not um, sincerely or faithfully, they would sign love. Love, Jeff. Love, Warren. Isn't that strange? A man loving another man. They'll do it especially intentionally and purposely to guys. Just imagine that. Think back to... The Fellowship of the ring. Aragon The King of Middle Earth He's, he's writing to Gandalf all right, and He's writing these orcs They're coming to attack us, come and help us now Love Aragon <laughs> Now you think that's crazy A man loving another man So what is this, this, this on about Why did those ministers in my previous church Do that, so when I was a student minister there, I was thinking, what have I got myself into Is this some feminine type of lovey-dovey church But of course not he says, as we look at this letter, we see that Christian love is one that is in the truth, a love that is genuine, a love that is sacrificial, a love that is brought about by the Lord Jesus himself as we learn from him, as we model from him and as we imitate from him. And so this is, of course, what I've come to learn, that we are to love each other. This is my fundamental relationship with my fellow brothers and sisters. It is one of love. Strangeness, isn't it? But it's so wonderful, so precious. It is one-off love. And so John here writes, he loves him in the truth. And so here we see John's deep love and concern for his friend and he actually prays for him. He he prays for his physical well-being. There's a suggestion here that perhaps Gaius was probably sick and so he's praying that his physical well-being will be as good as his spiritual well-being. And so have a look at verse 2. It writes here, Dear friend, again the word is beloved. Dear beloved, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Now next we hear of John's great joy. John's immense joy because of the reports he's heard from his friend. He's heard that his friend was walking in the truth and that brought him immense and deep joy. You see, during the first century, um, uh, um, there were many church plans that were going along because Christianity was sort of spreading and exploding. And so what would happen was apostles, John being an apostle of Christ Jesus, he would disciple people, he would raise them up and he would send them out as Bible teachers, as evangelists, as pastors. And so they would go from church to church to help in the mission work, to help in the work of the gospel. And so John would have sent ministers and pastors and evangelists out to help all these different church plans, all these different home churches. And so some will return back to him and they will report back to him. And this was one of the report. They've reported how well they've been treated by this man Gaius. Gaius was walking in the truth. And so this is what we read in verse 3. Have a look. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. You see, it was this that brought John great joy. That's the report that gave him excitement. And so we see this in verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children... You know, that suggests that perhaps Gaius was one of the converts that, that John brought to faith. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children... Are walking in the truth. Now, if you think about what John says to him, no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the in the truth. You you must think that's a big call. I mean, if you think about life, your experiences, my experiences, there are many things in life that brings us great joy. I mean, my wedding day—it was a wonderful day. It was a good day. It brought me great joy. The birth of my three kids—it was a joyous day, though a disgusting day, but a joyous day. And as I uh, observe and watch them grow and crawling and and talking and walking their joyous days. But to say this, Gaius walking in the truth gave John the greatest joy. Why would he say that? Why would that bring such great joy? Well, you see, it's because when someone, when his friend is walking in the truth, it means that he belongs to God. He's a child of God. He belongs to God's family and that means he is one who will inherit eternal life. He has a life that goes beyond the grave. And so John knows this is, gonna, this is awesome stuff because this friend of mine, I'm not only going to see him in this life, but I'll get to see him in the life to come. That's why it brought him immense joy. He's, he's got a life that will go on forever. Now if you think about this, this must also be the things for those of us who are Christians... For those of us us who are in, in this fellowship of the truth, it must also bring us great joy when we hear our fellow brothers and sisters walking in the truth. Now of course the flip side is true as well. If you think about those who don't walk in the truth, that should bring us the greatest sadness. Those who were once part of the community of believers those who were once part of the church, even those who once served in the church, to stop walking in the truth. When you hear reports of that, that should bring us the greatest sadness. Now, I've been involved in uh, youth ministry for many, many years and so for quite a long time we had this, and we still do, have this great privilege to not only share our lives with the youth, but also to share the gospel of Jesus with them. A great privilege. Now, remember about six and a half years ago, before Yvonne and myself and Esther at that time, we left for Sydney to study at a Bible college. We were leaving our home church. Now, at our home church, we served in the youth ministry there for about 10 years. And so for 10 years, we were nurturing and discipling and growing up these young young kids. And so when we left, we felt like we were leaving our own children. And so when we arrived in Sydney, we were there for four years. We would often hear reports of how our our home church was going, how the youth who were growing into young adults, how they were going. And once in a while we'll hear these sad reports and that is some whom we've discipled and cared and loved and shared our lives with, some have fallen away. Some have pursued ungodly relationships. Some have pursued uh, money like it's the B or and N or Some have pursued their career thinking that that will bring them the greatest joy. And so some have stopped walking in the truth. Now, when we heard that, it was sad. But it was also disappointing because these people were really giving up something far greater. They were giving up eternal life for what they were pursuing. And if you think about that, it's actually foolish, isn't it? To give up something far greater for something that's temporary. It's actually foolish. It's a bit like, I'd rather choose... Instead of picking a, a, a kilo of, of gold in, in weight, a kilo of gold, a bullion, however heavy a bullion of gold is, instead of picking that, I'm choosing a ton of ice. Now, it's that foolish idea that you'll pick something big but won't last instead of that. But you see, for those who are walking in the truth, they get something far better, far greater, far long-lasting than gold itself of course, for those who have fallen away, who have stopped walking in the truth, my prayer is that they will come back, that God will bring that back. But, of course, we've got, while we were up in Sydney, we heard reports that there are many, though there were some who have fallen away, there were many who continued to walk in the truth. And so when we heard those reports, that these people not only knew the gospel with their mind, knew it with crystal clarity, that Jesus died for them, They were not only people who who understood the gospel, but they lived as disciples of Jesus. They were in fellowship, in the fellowship of the truth, walking in the truth. And we heard reports, you know, since then three of those youth we've cared and nurtured, three three of them have gone off to do some ministry apprenticeship. Uh, Two more are thinking about that. One have gone off to Bible college. That brought us the greatest joy. I mean, these people, not only because they're doing those things, these people are people I will know in this life and I'll continue to know and love and care for in the life to come. What greater joy than there, than that? That those we know continue to walk in the faith. Those we love continue to walk in the faith. And so what are the things, makes us think here, that gives you, that gives us the greatest joy? What brings you the greatest joy? Now, for those of us who are parents here, there are a few of us, it must challenge us. What, what from our kids will bring us the greatest joy? Will it be their, their results? Or what job they get or when they get married? I would think, and I would still want to think this way in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time as our kids grow up, that the thing that should bring us the greatest joy, that they are walking in the truth. Because it means that I don't only see them in this world but also in the world to come. And so for John, he was concerned about the truth, that his friend was walking in the truth, and he was, and that brought him great joy. Now John now elaborates on why he was so joyful. What was it that Gaius did that brought him such great joy? We see just like in the the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, those who were in that fellowship, in that group, they loved each other, they cared for each other, they protected each other, they they even risked their lives for each other. And in a sense, that's what Gaius did with the fellowship of believers. He showed his loyalty, his camaraderie. He loved the fellowship of believers. You see, he didn't just believe it, he lived it. And so what did Gaius do? Well, again, this wonderful movie. And there was this scene when... Um, this elf, you know, Liv Tyler, yeah, the name Arwen, uh, Frodo was being attacked, Oh, chased down anyway. She came to the rescue and she brought him back to their land, Rivendell. She nursed him, helped him back to full health. She showed him hospitality. They were on the same team, you see. She cared for him, she helped him back. They were on the same side. And so, in a sense, that's what Gaius did to the fellowship of believers, to those who were fellow brothers and sisters. He cared for these visiting preachers and missionaries, took them in, opened his home, fed them, clothed them, all at his own cost. Now, what makes his act of hospitality so profound was that many of these guys we're reading in this passage, they were strangers to him. He's never seen them before. Now, I wonder how many of us would be happy to open up our homes To strangers. Now, of course, these weren't simply just strangers. These were people who were also on about the truth. They were also themselves walking in the truth. They were on the same side, same team, same Lord, same king, same master. Now, now I was thinking, what's the equivalent today in our context? What might it look like to welcome in and take care of some fellow believer who's a stranger to us? Well, the closest equivalent that I can think of is perhaps when mission teams, NT mission teams, college mission teams, when they go to churches and they are cared for by the church family. I mean, last year that happened at our church uh, when a team from Deakin University, the Christian Union Group, came. And I remember as a student, I went along to many of these missions. NT, I went to a few in Sydney. As As a Bible college student, we went on many college missions. And every single time, I was billeted to some gracious and generous family. They took me in. I was a stranger to them. None of them saw me and said, you are a stranger. I'm not going to let you sleep in my bed, eat my food, use my bathroom. They all took us in. That's the closest equivalent I can think of. And each of these days, not only was I blessed by being cared for, they all said how they were blessed as they gave out of their goodwill. And I still remember this one time in Sydney when I was on mission there, that the mother, what she did so that she can host, so that she can billet some students, what she did was she moved her two younger boys out of their rooms, which had their own en-suites, moved them out into the daughter's room so that all three were sleeping in the same room so that she can take on two students and give them nice rooms with en-suites. showed her generosity, her hospitality to strangers. So that's when I was a student, when I've experienced being on the receiving end. But after we got married, uh, when Yvonne and myself we got married, we had the privilege to do the same to students who came to us. And so at one of my previous churches, a whole team uh, from RMIT stayed at our home. So about a dozen of them. Uh, it, it was quite, quite a, a week. Uh, we, we had a small unit about a dozen of them, and and they stayed all over the place. Uh, Many of them, the blokes, they rather stayed in the garage than inside, don't know why. Uh, One guy, he pitched a tent in our backyard, and the girls, they were all over the place. But it was such a blessing. It was tight. It was, was, we only had two toilets, (laughs) but it was a good week. As we served out of what God has given us, uh, providing for these strangers, these were strangers, loving them, they were blessed, but we were blessed as they stayed with us, as we enabled them to go on with the work of the kingdom. And of course, this year, later this year in November, we'll have another mission team from Deacon Uni. Many families last year offered their homes, and that was wonderful. And hopefully this year will be the same, as we show hospitality to the fellowship of believers. And so Gaius, he walked in the truth, And he did that by showing warm hospitality to these visiting preachers. So look at verses 5 and 6. John says, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. And now John goes on to say, if we Christians don't show hospitality to our own, if we're not caring for our own, You can't expect pagans to do that. So look at verses 7 and 8. John says, It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. You don't expect any help from the pagans to support mission work. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men, so that we may work together for the truth. And so you hear again the truth. John is on about the truth. And Gaius here brought John great joy because he was not those complacent Christians. Those lazy Christians, those who think, I'll get the salvation of the next world and I'll live for myself in this world. He was not like that. Now, of course, this is how you expect every Christian to be, right? Every Christian to be generous, to be walking in the truth. But the sad reality is that it's not always the case. See, from time to time, there are troublemakers. When you have people, you have problems. Yeah, people, there is sin. We are still sinful people. And so from time to time, there are troublemakers that rise up from the ranks of the church itself. There are the selfish ones from within the church. Those within the church who are there for their own gain, for their own glory. Now, those who think, I can get the best of both worlds. Now, that's what we see here. John goes on to talk about this guy, Diotrephes. He was another Christian leader perhaps a Christian leader from a neighbouring house church and this guy had his own agenda he was on about himself he he wanted to be first we're told, he was motivated by pride, He, he was like this power hungry dictator and so you know that saying power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely well he was a bit like that or a bit like that movie Lord of the Rings Now, do you know this scene? This guy, Boromir, he was a human. He was part of this fellowship, but yet he desired the power of the ring for himself. He was corrupted by the power of the ring and he tries to take it from Frodo. He wanted that power for himself. And in a sense, Diotrephus, in this story, he was power hungry. He opposed the truth. He wanted to be first in everything, And so we read here, firstly, he wanted nothing to do with the apostle. I mean, this was John, the apostle who saw the Lord Jesus. He did not want fellowship with him. Rather, he even slandered him. Secondly, we read here that this guy, he rejected these travelling missionaries and preachers and, and pastors. And finally, there were those in his church who wanted to care for these visiting preachers, these missionaries, but but when they did, he would kick them out of the church. I mean, this guy was a nasty guy. Quite messed up to be a church leader like that. And so John warns here that when he comes, he'll bring all of that to light. And so have a look at verses 10 and 11. John says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing. Gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Strange guy, isn't he? He's from within the church. And so John exhorts Gaius, you are to be different. You are to be very different. Do not imitate that guy. I've got another guy for you to imitate, but do not imitate that guy. Rather, you should imitate, be like Demetrius. This guy walks in the truth and it's evident in his life. Now, Demetrius, we don't know too much about him, but he was perhaps one of these travelling pastors and missionaries and preachers. He was perhaps the one who, in fact, brought this letter from John to Gaius. And so look at verses um, 11 and 12. He says here, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. And now finally John concludes his letter. It's a short letter. He expresses his love for Gaius and the church. He desires to meet him. And so final verses, verse 13. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace to you, the friends who send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. And so here ends this letter. Now what are we to make of it? This was a personal letter from the apostle to this one man. What are we to make of it? Now, I don't know of any Gaius today. What are we to make of it? Does it does it translate to us? Does it mean anything to us? But you see, what this letter shows is it was John's concern for Gaius and it's really John's concern for Christians of every generation, for us today. And so it, it makes me wonder, after reading this letter, if John was to write a letter to us today, to St. Stephen's Presbyterian Church, plus visitors to us today, what would he write? Would he write the same things to us as he did to Gaius? Would he write something like this? The reports I'm hearing from you people at St. Stephen's, it's bringing me great joy. I have the greatest joy because of the reports I'm hearing. I'm hearing that you are all at St. Stephen's You are walking in the truth. Now, I know many of you are under the pressures of life, the pressures from studies, the pressures from your parents, the pressures from peers. Some of you are even experiencing some terrible illness. Some of you chronic diseases. Some of you are here even cancer. Some of you are finding this patch in your life so difficult, so unbearable that it hurts you inside. But but I'm overjoyed. I'm overjoyed that you are walking in the truth. And that's because you know the love of the Lord for you. You know the love of the Lord Jesus for you as he laid down his life for you. And so you're clinging on to him. You're staying in fellowship. You're trusting him. You know that there is no life, no hope, no peace apart from him. And so you're walking in the truth. And that brings me the greatest joy. But not only that, I hear that you at St. Stephen's are extremely generous. You're so hospitable. You're sharing all that God has given you with the fellowship of believers. You're opening up your homes even to strangers because you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. What a letter that would be to receive from the apostle. I wonder if John was to see how we are living today In this church, plus visitors, if John was to observe and see, would that be the type of letter he would write to us? Would we be like Gaius? Or would instead he be saying something like this? I mean, I've been hearing reports of you people at St Stephen's Presbyterian. How can you people who have heard of the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus, who know that Jesus counted you worthy to die for you on the cross, But yet, you would oppose the truth. You would live life for yourself, seeking to be first. You seek your own glory rather than God's. I mean, how can you be on the church roster and serve in all those different ministries, but yet be bitter inside? To do it out of pride, out of self-glory. How can you put on a show in all your service at church so that people would love you? Or how can you be so inhospitable? I've been hearing these reports. How can you not share all that God has given to you to your fellow brothers and sisters? How can you be so selfish and to think that this is my home, my patch, my domain? I can't stand having people coming in and touching my stuff. I can't stand the stress of having to clean up afterwards. I don't want to do hospitality. Now how can you be so self-seeking? Would that be the type of letter John would write to us? Now of course this is for each individual, each of you to decide. But I can say this, I can say that in our church there are many who are walking in the truth. I see that, there is evidence of that and it brings me great joy. It really does bring me great joy. Because you know what? If that is true and if you see that, we're family, not just now in this world, but for all eternity. But I can also say there are many in our church who are extremely hospitable. I mean, on our first day starting at this church, we were invited to two different places. Wonderful hospitality by many of you. There are people and families here who open up their homes, who who have people over for dinners before youth group and growth groups and and lunches after church on Sunday. That is showing hospitality. I mean, we're told in this passage to show hospitality to strangers, even strangers. If we're not doing that to our own, those of our family, those we know, how can we do that to strangers? Now, of course, the the motivation to do this is God himself. To show hospitality is to be like God. God, out of his love for us, took strangers like us into his own home. We're learning to be like God. And so to be in the fellowship of the truth will involve being hospitable. Hospitable all the time and lots of it. Now this letter, what does it all come down to? Well, it comes down to this one final question and that is for each of us to think, am I a part of the fellowship of the truth? Am I a part of it? Am I in that? Do I own it? Is that me? I mean, again, if you think about that movie, The Fellowship of the Ring. I mean, who wouldn't want to be part of that fellowship? Who wouldn't want to be Legolas, who's that great archer? Who would want to be Frodo, who gets to go on that adventure to, to defeat evil with good? Who wouldn't want to be one of those guys? But you know what? That's just a story. We who believe in the Lord Jesus, we're part of something that is real and something that is far greater. We who are part of the fellowship of the truth, we are part of something that will last into all eternity. That is us. That is who we are. And so, of course, for those of you who are not there yet, let me encourage you and urge you to consider who Jesus is. You don't want to miss out on this fellowship. So let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've taught us in your word, that there is this fellowship in the truth. As we walk in the truth, we are assured of the eternal life that is ours. And so we thank the Lord Jesus, who laid down his life willingly for our sake. Help us, Lord, to learn from him, to imitate him, in how we love the fellowship of believers, how we show hospitality to one another, as we strive and learn to be more like Christ.